God is an awesome God. Yeah, yeah. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, periodically, every, every now and then, we uh, show um, the uh, end of day's update. I don't know if any of you are watching that, but it's available every Wednesday. Our friend uh, Joe Morris, he um, moved back to Tulsa, I guess, last year. He was in California, moved back to Tulsa, and he does a um, little clip of the end, the end days. And everything that he does, he just talks about the, the what's going on in the, in the world and how that uh, lines up with the Ezekiel 38 war. Gives you a timeline of where you are, where we are prophetically, uh, in end times. How close we are to the end. Would anybody be mad if Jesus come back this year? No. Y'all be okay with going? Yeah. Okay, I just, just want to know. So th this is kind of a, sh a short, which usually seven to ten minutes. This was, it'll be a little under seven. So we're going to go ahead and watch this, and then we'll go over, do some more after that. Welcome to this week's End of Days Update, coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're near the Morrisville area in North Carolina, this weekend we'll be there Saturday morning, 9 through 12 on Saturday, getting into end times. And then we'll be there for two services Sunday morning. We sure had a great time this last week in Lake Work, Florida. Hungry people, so hungry for the Word, got into end times there. It is amazing how clear it is now that we're approaching the coming of the Lord. So we come to you to show you the different things that point to that, specifically the, the arrangement of nations for the Ezekiel 38 war. And really the alignment of that is happening so blatantly. So let's pick up with what's happened around Israel to show uh, that Jesus is just about to come. I remember uh, Jesus rebuked them. He said, hey, you can tell what the weather is going to be, but you don't know your hour of visitation. So he wanted them to know uh, when, when he was coming. And you remember Anna and Simeon had a, a, the Bible says they were warned of God. They would not see death until they saw the Messiah. It's the Hebrew word krematazio, to be divinely instructed, just like Noah was. So we get into the scripture so that we can be instructed to how near we are so we can accelerate our pace and run faster to get the will of God done. So what's happened this last week? I know I'm going fast, but there's way too much info to get into. This last week, probably the number one thing that probably is on everyone's mind is North Korea. It looks like the, the Japanese defense uh, organization came out saying that North Korea could miniaturize 60 different nuclear warheads that could go on those ICBMs that can hit the most of our country. So I'm not concerned about that because North Korea is not mentioned or the uh, nations of the Far East aren't mentioned until uh, the second coming. The Bible says they come over the, the Euphrates River right before uh, the second coming at the end of the Battle of Armageddon. Now this is a cool deal. ISIS has been damming up up the Euphrates, tried to twice. So you see the Euphrates running dry because the kings of the east are going to come over that. So that's kind of amazing. Now that's kind of a pretty much a deal breaker, but we tested another one of our high altitude missile defense systems. It looked like we were going to up our uh, missile defense budget because of this. So this is an alarming thing, but what probably what is more active for you and I about Israel is the Temple Mount situation. And then uh, north of Israel, you know, you have Hezbollah in Lebanon. Listen to this. You have American forces. This is the craziest thing I've seen so far. You have American special forces fighting with Hezbollah and the Syrian army and the Lebanese army against ISIS. ISIS shelled Lebanon with seven different rockets, and you have America helping <laughs> protect them as well. So that's bizarre. That's a bizarre deal because Hezbollah has 100,000 rockets aimed at Israel right now with a little bit more sophisticated uh, firing systems than they had over the years. Now, remember we talked about the bases, the Russian bases that were in the southern part of Syria, right on the border of Israel. It's a huge deal because they're not pushing the Iranian troops 
the the Revolutionary Guards right there, and they're not pushing Hezbollah out. The crazy thing is, not only have they gone up to 2,000 troops and another 4,000 troops, this last week they had 5,000 mercenary, Russian mercenaries, shipped into that area right there. So Russia is strategically setting up not just armament, but soldiers. They have sophisticated missile defense systems all over Syria. Why is that a big deal? Right after the rapture of the church, Russia comes down on Israel. So there's more happening that I don't have time to get into. But you had Jordan's king, Abdullah, come over and talk to Abbas, the Palestinian president. I was kind of freaked out with what they said right when they got there. Uh, Jerusalem is liberated. Jerusalem's liberated. Now, why is Jerusalem a big deal to Islam? Because it's not mentioned once in the Quran, but it's mentioned over 600 times in the Bible. So it's weird that Jerusalem, the battle is going to be over Jerusalem. Lucifer wants that capital spot where Jesus is going to reign forever. You have more pressure uh, put on Israel about Jerusalem again, and specifically the Temple Mount. The last four weeks have probably been the most about that. I'm intrigued that you even have pressure, it looks like, don't know if it's going to happen, but Benjamin Netanyahu might even be indicted. It's just bizarre that the left so hates the right for trying to protect Israel. And, and even having uh, Jordan's king meet with Abbas, that's a huge deal. And the continue will be bigger because Jordan has control over the Temple Mount. So the whole negotiation and the talk was over the Temple Mount. Uh, the Bible said Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling for all nations. And you had rockets from Gaza this yesterday firing into southern Israel. So you got things on their northern border, things on their southern border, more armament being built up, many, many other things that are pointing to what's going to happen after the church leaves. And there's this real barrage of, uh, of preaching that the rapture will not happen. You've got to remember, the Antichrist can't be revealed until the church departs. You can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time because of the, the authority that God gave the church. If you'll notice, during the last dispensation, six million Jews got killed in Germany. Well, in the next seven years, that seven years of tribulation, God intervenes because it's a different thought pattern, different rules for Old Testament. It's Old Testament rules, so He takes the church off the earth. So many, many, many things probably getting ready to happen uh, around Israel and pointing to the coming of the Lord. Very exciting times. Not scary, scary for the world, but not for the church. Remember these words about the coming of the Lord so that you're happy and hopeful, so that you have radical joy. Your joy is your strength. And Daniel saw you. He said, you'd know your God, you'd be strong, and you'd do exploits. So we get into this so that we run faster. So you got to help your local pastor, help your local church, get the message out. Jesus is coming so, so soon. The number one purpose of, of knowing how close we are to the coming of the Lord is, is so that he, you realize and comprehend how much He loves you. He wants it to be beat inside you, in your head, that He loves you so much and He can't wait to see you. I got to see my daughter this last weekend in Florida. I'm so excited to see her. I freak out when I get to see her. If I think that way about my own little girl, how much more you, uh, Jesus thinks that way about you. So He loves you. So we have to get the message out. Many, many things keep happening. So come next week. We'll see what's happening around Israel. We'll see how Israel retaliates. Usually there's a retaliation thing for rockets. And uh, we'll see what's happening with North Korea. Exciting times. Jesus said, lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Have a blessed, awesome week. We'll see you next Wednesday. God bless you. Well, I guess our news is a lot around North Korea right now. So it's uh, lots happening there. And that's part of the end times too. What do you say? There'll be wars and what? Rumors of wars. And uh, this won't be a rumor. <laughs> and I'm, I think with this administration, uh, the rumors will be put to rest. Uh, one of the generals said yesterday, if it goes the wrong way and if they attack, 
they will deal with North Korea, all of North Korea, in 15 minutes. So hopefully someone makes some good decisions. Uh, John 16, I want to look at something we looked at a couple of times. Y'all doing all right? Yes, sir. Appreciate you coming out tonight. And uh, we know it's school time, so we're going to uh, just try and just to see how it works, uh, 645 to 7.45. But if we can, we'll, we'll hit it in a little bit closer tonight just because uh, it's school time. And uh, that means you got to get up early in the morning and get your Wheaties in, right? So I know it uh, takes a couple of weeks for the kids to get adjusted and the parents. So hope the kids were happy to go today, and uh, maybe the parents will be okay, too. <laughs> <laughs> John 16 and verse da, 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 da. well I'll just read the one verse here uh, and then I'll turn the page uh, verse 7 says Jesus said nevertheless I tell you the truth it is expedient or to your advantage that I go away if I don't go away the comforter won't come but if I depart I'll send him unto you and then we'll go over to uh, verse 13. And when he, to my Holy Spirit, when he, the spirit of truth, is called here, he's the truth-given spirit. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. Whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Remember, we, and I'll just kind of kind of hit some highlights here. <clears throat> so we know the Holy Spirit is the, is the truth. Jesus said, everything that I have is from the Father. And he said he holds nothing back from us. So whatever Jesus knows, he's willing to tell us. And how does he do that? Well, he does it through the Word, but we also have a teacher who helps us with the Word. Right. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 27, we have an anointing. We have an unction from the Holy One. The Holy Ghost who teaches us about every other thing. No, teaches us everything. He, he, he guides us into all truth. So just hitting them highlights of what we talked about is the fact that to guide you into all truth means that he also has to guide us out of things that are not true. Right. There's, uh, believe it or not, there's something in all of us in our thinking that's not quite right. Do you, yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, I, I know it's kind of hard to believe looking at y'all that that could even be true. Uh, uh, <clears throat> there's a couple of us that are shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true that there are some things that we that we might have held on to from uh, years and years and the way that we grew up and what was handed down and what was said and and uh, because of that uh, we kind of like to have it a bucket and say this is all all the truth I have in my bucket and so when you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth and to be your counselor uh, you know that amplifies says what he's the He's your advocate. He's your strengthener. He's your standby. Uh, he's your counselor. Um, and so to, to guide you into all truth, uh, would you be willing to pray a prayer to ask him to show you what you think is truth is not truth? Now, I did that and I meant it. I just didn't think he would. Uh, when I prayed that, I didn't think he would <clears throat> come back as fast with some, with some dialogue. I thought, <laughs> you know, if, if you find something, when you go out there and you look and, and if you... You know, and for the years out, <clears throat> well, the next morning when I woke up, I had this thought that came about, and I thought, I don't need, it was so far removed from anything that I know. And it took me, I was slow, I was slow to realize until about the middle of the day, I was looking at something, or two, two three things, and I thought, well, I, that's strange. 
And then I did some reference, you know, because teachers do that, and I referenced that, and I said, well, that's different. And then I realized, oh, you, oh, you like, you're, you're answering my prayer, aren't you? <laughs> so to God be into, into all truth, I have to be willing to let go of something that's not truth, or I have to take something out of the bucket that I said, this is the truth. Y'all with me? And throw it away. If someone wants to say, well, what was it that you, like I said, I'll cut my grass if you'll cut yours. And, uh, and I will help you with yours if you want help, but I'm just saying. So he guides us into all truth, but he also takes us out of things that are not true. Now, uh, in one way he does that, and so it's going to sound like we're jumping subjects, but we're not. I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 8. And you might want to just listen, because I'm just going to take really just a few minutes tonight, and uh, we'll let you go and get the kids back at home, get them rested for the night. Um, and I'm going to read most of this uh, just because it's interesting, so you might just want to listen. I'm going to, I'm going to read a lot of this from the, the message translation. You know, the, the King James says... Concerning the wisdom of God, that wisdom is the, very, is the principal thing. Solomon could have asked for riches and wealth because God said, ask me anything, it's yours. He said, well, I'm asking for your wisdom and to be able to, as a king, to be able to make the right decisions and choices. And, and when I determine a matter, how it should go, I, I want your wisdom and your guidance to do it. And God said, because you didn't ask for the, the riches and, and the wealth, he says, I'm going to give you the riches and wealth. And so <clears throat> the, the wisdom of God is, once again, he, is called the, the most important, is the, is the principal thing. Proverbs 4, and we might look at it here in just a moment, but if I would say it different, the message, it says, if you will exalt her wisdom, she will promote you. Right. If you'll make her the main deal, she will exalt you to a new position and so, uh, if you would just listen to this part, because it'll be a lot different if you try to follow along now. You understand, if you've ever had a message Bible translation, it doesn't have the verses, so I don't, but I think I'm starting off uh, somewhere around, um, well, I'll just start off with verse 1, I guess. Because most of the chapter is what we want to talk about. Now, remember, he guides us into all truth, and we have help. By the Holy Spirit. And so here's what wisdom says. It says, do you hear lady wisdom calling? Can you hear madam insight? This is some of the terminology in the message. It says he calls wisdom madam insight. Can you hear madam insight raising her voice? She's taking her stand at first in Maine at the busiest intersection. She's right in the square city where the traffic is the thickest and she shouts, I'm talking to all of you, everyone out here on the streets. Listen, you idiots. Uh, this is, I'm reading this now, okay? <laughs> Learn good sense. You blockheads, shape up. Don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live at your best. Your mouth chews and savors and relishes truth. I can't stand the taste of evil. You'll only hear true and right words from my mouth. No one's symbol will be twisted or skewed. You'll recognize this is true. You with open minds, truly ready minds, will see it at once. Prefer my life disciplines over chasing after money and God knowledge after a lucrative career, for wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. 
Guess most people what they want? They'd want the wealth, right? Wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing that you could wish for will hold a candle to her. I am Lady Wisdom. This is kind of, uh, I like the way some of these terms are put here. I'm Lady Wisdom, and I live next to sanity. <laughs> Knowledge and discretion live, live just down the street. Now, how, how many would like to have the wisdom of God in all matters? All right, here, here's what the wisdom of God thinks about something right here. The fear of God means hating evil. See, it's right for us to love God right. and love what God loves. Uh -huh. But we're also called to hate. Did you know that? We, we, we don't think about it in those terms but because you know, we, don't, we don't hate people. But, but we're called to hate the thing that God hates. The fear of God means you, you hate evil, whose ways I hate with a passion, pride and arrogance and crooked talk. Good counsel and common sense are my characteristics. I wisdom of both. I am inside in virtue to live it out. With my help, leaders will rule. That's why we pray for our leadership. That's why we pray for our president. That's why we pray for our, you know, everyone in authority. He says, so with my help, governors govern, along with all my legitimate authority. I love those who love me. Those who look for me, find me. Wealth and glory accompany me. All substantial honor and a good name. Now listen to this. My benefits, here's the benefits of wisdom, are worth more than a big salary, even a very big salary. The returns on me, here's the return on you going after wisdom, exceed any imaginable bonus. You can find me on Righteous Road. That's where I walk at the intersection of Justice Avenue. Handing out life to those who find, love me, filling their arms with life, armloads of life. God sovereignly made me the first, the basic, before he did anything else. I was brought into being a long time ago, well before earth got its start. I arrived on the scene before ocean. Yes, even before springs and rivers and lakes, before mountains and sculptures and hills took shape. I was there. I was already there newborn, long before God stretched out earth's horizons, tended to the minute details of soil and weather, and set sky firmly in its place. I was there. When he mapped out and gave borders to the wild ocean, built the vast vault of heaven, and installed the fountains that fed the ocean, when he drew a boundary for sea, posted a sign that said, no trespassing, and then staked out earth's foundations, I was right there with him, making sure everything fit. Day after day, I was there, with my joyful applause, always enjoying his company. Delighted with the world of things and creatures, happily celebrating the human family. So my dear friends, listen carefully. Those who embrace these, my ways, are the most blessed. Mark a life of discipline and live wisely. Don't squander your precious life. Bless the man, bless the woman who will listen to me. <laughs> Awake and ready for me each morning, alert and responsive as I start my day's work. When you find me, you find real 
you find life, real life, to say nothing of God's good pleasure. But if you wrong me, you damage your very soul. When you reject me, you're flirting with death. Have you ever thought about it, that if you could ask God for one thing, and he could do anything, what would be the most important thing to ask for? If you could ask for one thing. You could say that I could operate in the gifts of the Spirit. That'd be beneficial. You could say that I'd be healthy or live long on the earth. Well, that would be long. That would be good until long life is finished, right? Because you could live long and be broke, and then it wouldn't be it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as fun to live long, huh? Would 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 not wisdom be probably the number one thing to ask for? So, so, so God's word is, is the wisdom of God written here. And then we have the counsel of all counselors living on the inside of us. Um, I'm, I'm going to read sporadically some other things about the wisdom of God. And I don't know where the verses are. Uh, there's, a, there's a small part in chapter 3. I'll just read just a little bit of it. It says, uh, you're blessed when you meet Lady Wisdom. You're blessed when you make friends with Madam Insight. She's worth far more than money in the bank. Her friendship is better than a big salary. Her value exceeds all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to her. With one hand, she gives long life. With the other hand, she confers recognition. Her manner is beautiful. Her life is wonderfully complete. She is the tree of life to those who embrace her, hold her tight, and be blessed. Then in chapter 4, probably somewhere around verse 4 or 5, somewhere in there, it says, Never walk away from wisdom. She guards your life. Love her. She keeps her eye on you. Above all and before all, do this. Get wisdom. Right at the top of your list, get understanding. Understanding would be the application to the wisdom. And if you had the wisdom of God in a situation, um, and I know I've said this many times through the years, God could give you the wisdom for an invention, couldn't he? Or for a business. And a lot of people have had ideas that were very good or lucrative ideas, but they didn't have the wherewithal to get it to the marketplace. Some people lost everything they had over an invention. Well, that's where the understanding of God comes in. The, the wisdom comes from him, but you need the understanding of the application, how to properly apply this right. in, in that kind of situation. So he says, with your, with your, you know, with your wisdom or, or with your knowledge, get the understanding of that. In other words, <laughs> I mean, I, I could order a bunch of lumber and blocks and all kind of stuff and a framing package. Someone could tell me this is your supply list to build a house. And I could order it all in. They deliver it. And then they say, well, here's everything you need to build your house. For me, that would be a still problem. It's like it's all in the yard. And, hmm. <laughs> it's like, I'd like, well, there it is. <laughs> yep, there she is. <laughs> you know, Bill could let me have all the tools to rebuild my motor with. And, it, and these rebuildings, so there's everything you need. There's the parts. I said, there's the parts. There's the tools. <laughs> Right? But how do you 
take the knowledge without the understanding. So we need both of them, right? So he says, above all, get the wisdom, get understanding. Throw your arms around her wisdom. Believe me, you won't regret it. Never let her go. She'll make your life glorious. She'll garland your life with grace. She'll festoon your days with beauty. Dear friend, take my advice. It'll add years to your life. How about that? I'm writing out clear directions to wisdom's way. I'm drawing a map to righteous road. I don't want you ending up in blind alleys or wasting time making wrong turns. Hold tight to good advice. Don't relax your grip. Guard it well for your life is at stake. Don't take wicked bypass. Yeah, at least Righteous Avenue and Justice Avenue. Don't take the wicked bypass. Do, don't so much as set foot on that road. Stay clear of it. Get a wide berth, make a detour, and be on your way. So he, a lot of things he's talking about wisdom is telling us not as much what to do, but he's telling us what not to do, isn't he? Have you seen that in the book of Proverbs from Solomon? So he's telling us what to do, but can you see him saying wisdom doesn't do this? So once again, not only the Holy Spirit will guide you into the truth, but we need to know what might be in our life that doesn't need to be in our life. And I'm not, a while ago I wasn't talking about just doctrine. Right. I'm talking about things that we're allowing in our lives have been there for a long time. Say, well, you know, I got the grace of God. He's, he understands. You know, I have weaknesses, and so he, that's why he forgives me. He forget, and, he, and he does forgive. And I always say it this way, uh, grace does cover, but it's not a cover-up. Right. If, if grace does anything, it makes you more responsible because he gives us the ability to come out of whatever the situation it is. Uh, this will kind of go along the same road, and we just got this. Uh, I'm going to try to be through by 730 tonight, and uh, shouldn't make anybody mad if I do that. So anyway, here's a scripture that uh, in Ephesians 4, if you want to read it with me, you can. Ephesians 4, and I'll read this from the King Jimmy. Um, Y'all doing all right? Yep. Y'all are quiet. Verse 26 and 7. Now, remember we talked about a while ago about uh, the wisdom of God is to not just love what God loves, but to what? Hate. Hate what God hates. Hate, hate the evil. Watch here. Paul says by the Holy Ghost, he says, be angry. Well, I, I tell you, what, let's go to verse uh, uh, 25. Wherefore, put away. Now, now, Paul's speaking to the church at Ephesus, right? And here's what he tells them. Church, he said, church, uh, put away your lying. He's not talking, this is not evangelistic thing, you know, outside the church. So he tells them, uh, put away your lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be you angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath. We still okay on here? If not, I'll just get this. Okay. 
Yes, he tells the church, quit lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, this is an interesting verse, and, and we usually hear it preached as, uh, be angry and sin not. But if you do so, make sure you get rid of that anger before nighttime, right? In other words, before the sun goes down, deal with your anger. So we're told sometimes we get angry because we're just human beings and we make mistakes and we fail. But you, you know, before you go to bed, you need to see if you can get, get rid of your anger. In other words, if you get out of love, it's okay until the sun goes down. Is that what God is saying? If, you, if, you, if you're not going to walk in love, there may be a reason. God understands. You're only human. But when the sun goes down, you, you have to get it right. So you can be out of the love walk until the sun sets. Is that what God's saying? Well, that's, that's kind of how we teach that, right? That's, that's the way it usually get, or gets interpreted. But it, he didn't say that we could sin. Being out of love walk would be sin, right? So he didn't say we could be out of, you know, out of the love walk. Or he didn't say we could be angry with people or dishonest or whatever it is until the sun goes down. And then make sure you confess and forsake that anger right before the sun goes down. Is that what he's saying again? You don't think he's saying that? So what he's talking about, the anger he's talking about, when you put it in context of the chapter, he's talking about a godly anger. How many of those are righteous anger? How many of those are righteous indignation? How many know the, the, the righteous get angry? How many know Jesus got Violently upset when he went to the temple and, and, he, and he turned the tables over and he went in with a whip and he's beating the guys out and the guards and everybody. He said, you have turned God's house into a den of thieves and, and Jesus was angry. And he didn't run there to do it because the sun was about to go down and, and he had to, no, he, he did it on purpose. It was righteous indignation. It was righteous anger. So <clears throat> he, he tells us, what he's telling us is, is don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Because generally speaking, uh, when you think about the sun going down, you're kind of thinking about the end of the work day. Right? You're thinking about, well, it's time to, we're, we're through with the work, and now we come home to rest, and when it gets dark, we're going to go to sleep, and then it'll be out of sight, out of mind, and gone to bed, right? So what he's saying, he says, he says don't, don't give place to that. In other words, be persistent with the cause. Don't don't cease from don't cease from righteous anger even when the sun goes down. I mean, keep on keeping on. Now that's a that's a a, a one eighty turn from, you know, it's okay, you know, if you got to be angry, if you got to this, but by sundown you got to stop. And what Paul's saying is is the opposite. He's saying don't let the sun going down. Don't. Let that be a place to stop. In other words, continue to hate the, the same thing God hates for the same cause, the reason that God hates it. Can you see that? Don't let the sun go down. He says, because if you do, and, that, and that's why he's saying don't give place because otherwise you're going to give place to the devil. So typically that's what we say. We're, you know, the, the day winds down and it's time to go to sleep and He's saying, don't let this ever, don't let this godly anger ever stop working. Can continue to let it work in you. In other words, what you need to do is stir it up and keep it active. And don't give place to the devil. Can you see that in those two verses together? I mean, there's no way God's saying it's okay to, 
to, to be messed up till the sun goes down, right? Do, do the best you can, but you know, try, try, you know, try to make amends before you go to sleep. Don't go to bed with all that anger in you. But you can if you have to, but you got to stop when the sun goes down. You run all the references you want to, you cannot find it. That's not the word. So we love what God loves, right? And we hate what God hates. And that's the wisdom of God. How many want the wisdom of God? Yeah. Now watch here. Now, now here's some just verses if you just want to write them down and look at them later. I, I, we're not going to turn there. I've already got them written out here. Psalms 97.10 says, Ye that love the Lord. How many that? Is that you? Yeah. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. Hmm? That's Psalms 97.10. If you love the Lord, hate evil. Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is this. Here's the fear of the Lord. It means you hate evil, you hate pride, and you hate arrogancy. And you hate the evil way. And the forward mouth, he says, do I hate. So he says, take your, take your anger till the sun goes down and after the sun goes down and, and hate, hate pride, hate arrogancy, and hate the evil way and the forward mouth. Psalms 1, uh, uh, three more verses. Psalms 11.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Someone said, how do I begin in the wisdom of God? The, the, the fear of the Lord, the, the fear of the Lord, the, the reverential, worshipful, worshiping of the, of the Lord himself. Loving the Lord having a reverential love and fear for him, not afraid of God, but having a reverence for God. Loving what he loves, despising and hating what he despises. In other words, that thing that's in your life that, that you let it keep coming in from time to time, maybe it's a situation or you, you give in to an attitude or it could be an addiction. This is not something for grace to cover. This is something to hate. Hate that thing. That's not you, you understand. You in the situation, even though it's in your life, that's not you. Through the flesh, there might be a propensity for you to go do this, but that's not who you are. That's not, that's not the spirit man. That's the outward flesh. Now watch here. So he says, uh, the fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. And almost the same thing in Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The last verse tonight is Romans 12-9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor, that A-B-H-O-R, abhor, hate, that which is evil. What is it that God calls evil? He said, hate it like God hates it. Cleave to the thing that is good. That's Romans 12-9. So the Holy Spirit, if he's going to guide you into all truth, he, he, he wants to speak on this other side too, right? If, if we're still embracing things that God hates, can we be in all truth? You're not saying anything, right? Wouldn't he cover both sides? In other words, both sides of it to get the same answer. What's three times nine? Oh my gosh, they didn't work y'all hard today. What's three times nine? Oh, let, let, let's see you. What's three times four? What's four times three? 
Oh, see, I just, but right, it's the same answer. So we're going to love what God, we're going to love what God. We, we do need to stop for all we got tonight. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Let's receive the offering before we go tonight. Is that okay? It's just real short, real simple. But what, what can be simple about the wisdom of God? Solomon said, that's the number one thing I want. And God said, you'll have it. And because of that, he became the wealthiest man in the known world. Woo! How about that? We just believe this would be a good year for all our school children. That they have the wisdom of God and the, the mind of Christ. And they'll be safe and protected every day. Going to school, in school, and on the way home. And at home. How about that? And they'll excel. And all their studies, right? Because they have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God. Yeah. And when the wrong kind of influences come into their life, they'll repel from it. Amen. That's right? right? Yeah. Scripture also says, you know, if you want to be wise, hang out with wise people. Right. If you don't, you hang out with fools. Guess what? You'll be? Oh, you'll be a fool. <laughs> right? So I believe this will be a banner year for the kids at Grace Life Church. Amen.